Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day and welcome once again to Profitable Farmer. Um, The season continues to unfold for us and I hope that spring is treating you kindly. In this podcast and on the back of what has been a really compelling recent Farm Owner Academy event with our alumni members, I've invited FOA founder Greg Johnson to join me just to reflect on what our alumni members are achieving across their businesses to talk about, I guess, the current dynamics of the industry that we're all in, and also to touch on some really important metrics and measures that help us understand resilience, liquidity, and the efficiency of our farm businesses. So really looking forward to this conversation. It's a really important one. I encourage you to grab a pen and paper and take some notes and even just to self-assess on your um, financial literacy ability as we move through this conversation with Greg. Greg, in my opinion, is the number one um, financial business analyst, um, if you like, in Australian agriculture and his ability to look at numbers and understand the performance of a farm business and then improve that business through the numbers is second to none. So again, I encourage you to grab a pen and paper and um, and take notes and, and just self-assess, if you like, on how strong you are in this area. So Greg, welcome. Thanks, Jeremy. And thanks, everybody. Nice to, nice to be with you today. Greg, um, we've just come off two really compelling days with our alumni members. Um, These guys have been together and moved through our program over three years, but they've now been tracking in our alumni and continuing to improve their business and their financial performance over the sort of three or four years since then. How would you, um, how do you reflect on that event and some of the results that you're seeing them achieve? Yeah, well, so it was a really, it was a great event, as you say, and um, and so it's always fantastic to spend time in in the room with farmers, really looking at their businesses um, from a financial perspective, and just seeing how it really all, you know, it all it all comes out um, once the the year's done, and um, and certainly, you know, very very pleased and proud of the alumni group and what they're achieving. Um, we uh, there's twenty three people, I think twenty three businesses in our alumni currently, and. And um, six or seven of those businesses were significantly impacted by the fires of 2020 um, to the point of either um, losing significant amount of fences and pasture, which, which led to significant increases in, in uh, hand feeding costs for the year, right up to losing um, you know, all of their pasture fences, livestock, or the majority of their livestock, um, sheds, houses. I mean, really, you know, just incredibly devastating losses. And and yet, it's amazing how um, those businesses have bounced back in in less than eighteen months um, and been able to really, um, you know, get their businesses back on track really quickly because they understand the really key things to to that drive the profitability of farm business and and are able to resurrect their businesses um, to, to to a semblance of what it was prior to the fires. And obviously, there's still a lot of work to do to get those businesses back to the pre-fire situation they were in, but you know, the, the, pretty well all of those businesses that were affected by significantly by those fires still turned in a, a, a um, an operating profit for the year, which is a, which is a pretty phenomenal result, really. So, 
so really, you know, it was a was a great um, was a great um, a few days, and um, and the results of, of the group as a whole were were really quite outstanding. So I don't, know, I don't know if you want me to go through them, Jeremy, but I can certainly give you an overview or the listeners an overview of what um, of what they actually achieved. Yeah, would you mind? Would you just share some of the, the broader results, if you like? And just for everyone listening, these guys come together for two days once a year and they're in the hot seat for 30 minutes or 40 minutes where they share the results through benchmarks um, of their performance over their last 12 months and the trends in their businesses over six or seven years. And then they have that group really challenging them on their numbers and helping them solve some key questions that they have that will help them unlock new potential and move forward. So, yeah, Greg, if you could just touch on some of the broader results and even a couple of the highlights for you, um, you know, those people who are really shooting it out of the park. Yeah, so um, across the whole group, the average assets under management was um, $11.3 million um, and the average assets owned was was about $7.9 million. And if you compare that to the majority of these farms actually were in South Australia and just across the border in Victoria. So if we look at the um, the Australian um, the AB results, the Australian Bureau of um, Agricultural Resource Economics results for South Australia for that same year um, from, the, from the farm survey uh, data that they do, um, the average assets owned uh, in their survey was uh, six point, about $6.6 million. So these farms are slightly bigger than the average of the ABA data, but not significantly bigger. Um, the average equity for the alumni group was 87.4%, um, and the average Rome return on assets managed, which is a really good indication of the efficiency with which the uh, with which the um, the assets being managed are being um, used to generate a profit. The average return on assets managed for the whole group was 4.7%. Um, and when you compare, if you compare that to the uh, the ABIA result, the Australian Bureau of Agricultural Resource Economics um, result for South Australia, um, the average was was 2.6% um, for South Australian survey uh, participants in that year. So, so very significant, you know, um, very, very significant um, increase or um, uh, difference above what the average of the ABIA data was. And, and as I say, you know, six out of that, seven out of that, six to seven out of that 23 were significantly or heavily impacted by the fires. So really, just a very um, amazing result and, and really outstanding. And um, I think that, you know, that the sorts of range of, of differences that we had here is, that, you know, we had, I guess, our highest return on assets manager was 8.9%, and that was um, um, a business that it runs in a 350 mil rainfall zone in, in upper north, upper um, southeast of South Australia, um, a wheat sheep uh, property. So, you know, 8.9% is a, is a fantastic result. And, um, and um, you know, Quite a number of people in seven percent, six percent. So, so really, just um, quite, quite phenomenal. And and that's, and you know, this is including or not including, but this is taking account of the the significant increases in land prices that all of these guys have experienced over the last few years, as you all have. So we factor in when we when we do our calculations for return on assets managed. Um, everybody is asked to put in the current market value for the uh, the land that they that they manage, whether they own it or or lease it or share farm it. Um, we ask them to estimate the value of that land, the market value of that land, and that's used in the calculation of return on assets managed, which is the net profit being generated by the business divided by the, 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 the value of the assets that, um, that are used to generate that profit. So, so phenomenal result and um, really very, very pleased with um, what they've been able to achieve. What really impressed me, 
being part of that event is just the quality and the sophistication of the dialogue, Greg. Um, you know, these guys really know their numbers. They understand the trends in their businesses um, and they ask really high-quality questions of themselves and others so that they're looking for the uplift and they're looking for to uncover the next opportunity through their numbers. Um, would you agree with that, Greg? And what? how would you compare the quality of, I guess, the dialogue in that room compared to your assessment of the broader industry and that broader industry's financial acumen? Yeah, well, it's obviously, it's very different. Um, you know, they you're exactly right. They do have a high focus on, on what's going on with the business from a financial and production perspective. Um, and, and what the KPIs, the, the, both the production and the financial KPIs, for the business are telling them, and um, and you know it's and when you, there's no doubt that when you do that, and and you know history of people, participants in longer term farm benchmarking um, shows us this that when you do focus on the numbers and the KPIs around your farm business, that that inevitably um, performance is a, is around about two to three times that of the national average over over the longer period. So. It really is. Um, it's just the it's just the fact of having that focus on the numbers, understanding what's going on financially with your business and 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 the production KPIs as well. That really help to drive better decision making. And so, when we come together for these days and the people present um, their 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 uh, results for the year to the room, um, everybody gets a chance to have feedback on what's going on in their business and and point out the things that or ask the questions that they want to ask about about what's going on with that business and. And similarly, the owners of the business get a chance to really ask the room some really significant questions about future direction and, and how they can do this that this area or that area better or slightly differently. And, you know, it all adds to a very dynamic um, opportunity to, to, to have insight into the business by a whole range of people who are skillful at what they do um, and, um, and, and help to identify opportunities to further improve these businesses. And, I mean, it really is, you know, it, it's quite incredible when... You think about the significant improvement in land prices or increases in land prices that have happened over the last few years, that they that they're still maintaining these sorts of levels of return on assets managed. And you know, the, yes, the prices are good. The prices for for lamb and and for wool, are, well, lamb's ex excellent. You know, cattle cattle's great. Wool's um, okay. Um, you know, grain prices are, are pretty good. But, you know, this, and so that, that, that should lead to better results from a, from a financial perspective for all farms across Australia. But the seasonal conditions in South Australia and, and, um, and Western New, uh, Victoria last year, the, the 2020 growing season, were, were just about average. They weren't, they weren't it wasn't, wasn't fantastic. It wasn't a, wasn't a great year like, um, like some of the guys in New South Wales experienced. It was just an average sort of year. Um, so this result, you know, is just, is just on the back of a fairly average seasonal conditions, um, good prices and, and excellent results from a financial and production perspective. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, so for those of our alumni members that are listening, congratulations on those two days and on your results, especially through the adversity of fire that Greg mentioned for many of you. Um, to our Platinum Mastermind members listening, you've got that to look forward to. Um, the alumni group is a really special group and they are really going places, so something to look forward to. Greg, um, you touched on something I think really interesting there, and it's optimism in the industry. I feel like um, there's optimism 
across commodities in this industry now that perhaps there hasn't been for 15 plus years. What would your comment be on that optimism, um, how it compares in history, given your experience and um, crystal balling perhaps on, on how you feel um, things might continue in that regard into the future? Well, I think if you can't be optimistic about farming at the moment, then you're pretty hard to please. Um, you know, I've been involved in in the farming industries directly for 40 years and indirectly for for about 50 years. So, um, and I don't think, apart from probably the late 80s, I can't remember a time when it's been as good as it is currently. We've got this concurrence of a number of, of things that are just that are just fantastic for farming. We've got excellent commodity prices pretty well across the board. We've got, you know, pretty favourable seasonal conditions now that the, you know, and hopefully the drought situation that, that occurred in New South Wales um, and, and Queensland, you know, is behind us for a little while and we don't get back into that situation for a bit. So let's, for, you know, let's hope we've got you know, a better run of seasonal conditions for a few years. We've got... Um, We've got prospects for the, for all of our commodities looking pretty good. Um, we've got extremely low interest rates, which make the funding of of debt within the in the business, um, you know, much more affordable. So, and you know, it's it's. I mean, even back in the night in the late eighties, when the wool market was booming, and basically all you had to do was run sheep to make money, it was a it was a very easy um, process. Um, we still were st- struggling with um, you know with interest rates that were sort of in that twelve. 13, 14%. So, so even yes, money was the money was there, but the cost of, of debt was much higher as well. So I don't, you know, I don't ever remember um, in my lifetime um, seeing this juxtaposition of, of the real the key factors around agriculture all being as favorable as what they are. Now, obviously, there, you know, potentially there's some headwinds. We've got, you know, we, we, we've got to look at what's happening with our major trading partners. And we, you know, there are, I guess there's rumblings about China and a whole heap of things that are beyond all beyond our control. All we can really do is get out there and and do what we do the best, to the best of our ability, produce our commodities at the lowest uh, cost that we can, and 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 that will basically um, ensure that um, we remain profitable even if the markets do do come off a bit. But um, but really, you know, um, if you can't be optimistic at the moment, then I think it's time to go and choose a different profession. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to see, um, Greg. Linked to that, we've seen I'm going to say unprecedented increase in land values. And I hear the question a lot lately around how how can we possibly consider expansion or or what have we got to do so that we can justify taking on the block next door um, with land values doing what they're doing. What would your comment be about land value increase that we've seen? And what comment would you give to someone asking those questions around what they need to do or how can they possibly justify an expansion step at this time? Yeah, well, sort of, you know, land prices have certainly, in the last few years, have certainly taken off. Uh, after a, a, a long, fairly long period of being pretty static, I mean, I'm looking at a chart in front of me at the moment of the of the, the, the Australian trends in land prices, historic performances back to 1995. And for any of you who really want to... Um, Look at this sort of stuff. There's um, these reports are available for free. Um, there's a, a report called the Australian Farmland Values 2021, put out by the Rural Bank, and that's really I encourage you to have a look at these um, these reports because it covers um, covers the whole of Australia and, and also have, they have regional uh, reports in there as well. And and what it's, it shows you is that you know land prices don't go up um, in a straight line. They, 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 there's generally periods of 
um, or significant periods where land price appreciation is pretty flat, followed by short periods of fairly significant rises. And the last significant rise that we had in the country was in that sort of 2002 to 2007 uh, uh, area when, um, you know, after the um, the wool stockpile disappeared and um, and wool started trading in a, in a true market scenario again, and um, we had a, we had a lift in wool prices as demand and and um, and supply sort of became more into line again, and um, and that was also coupled with some you know the, the beginning of the lift in land prices um, and land prices and um, and so and cattle were you know were okay at that point of time so. So we had this, you know, bit of confidence in the in the in the industry at that point of time. After you know, really a decade, I'm in the nineties, a decade of being very pessimistic. Um, the outlook was very pessimistic. Um, people were very flat. Um, we had this, you know, we had this increase in optimism, and then people started buying land. The demand for land went up. Um, that also, to a degree, was probably um, exacerbated a little bit. By the um, by, the blue gum purchasing around the country. The blue gums at that point of time were buying a lot of country in southwest West Australia and Victoria and South Australia, um, and and that was driving the price for land well beyond its its um, market value at that point of time as far for, for agricultural land. So, so that had some no doubt had some um, influence on those prices, but there was a general increase in in optimism at that point of time. And then from about two thousand and seven right through to about two thousand and fifteen. Things stayed pretty flat again. There wasn't much appreciation um, if you look at this Australia as a whole. And then it started to take off in sort of 2015, 16, or 16, 17, and has continued you know, for right to the current um, the current time. And I think there's been some really interesting, you know, influences here that have affected that. And probably not the least is the is the inflow of corporate money that's come into agriculture in the country. Um, because of, and particularly recently because of the COVID. Situation and and really the depression in I think global um, financial um, opportunities that corporate corporate money always flows to where it can get the best return and and so um, it, it saw the the opportunities in Australian agriculture as being significantly better than than any other or a lot of the other opportunities around the world and so a lot of money started to flow into corporate money started to flow into purchasing farmland in Australia and. Um, where that stays or not will be very interesting to, to see because you know as the world opens up again post COVID and and um, and gets back to the sorts of activities and, and levels of of, of um, trade that it, it was prior to COVID, then maybe we'll see corporate money start to leave the country to some degree as well and, and move to other areas where it can it might be able to make a better um, better return. So I think that that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, in the end, if you're a farm owner, if you're a land owner. I mean, your equity has gone up significantly in the last few years, and you should be really thankful of that because it's um you know it's the easiest way to, to generate wealth over time is through the owning and holding of land, whether it's rural land or residential property or commercial property or whatever it is. They, they all go up over time, um, and um, and it's a great way to generate wealth um, without having to actually break your back doing it. I've heard you say before that um, careful letting the past determine your future or to that effect. Um, I think there are a lot of people who have had to write out the last 10 or 15 or 20 years or even further experience those 18% and 20% interest rates. Um, and often that renders us cautious to the extreme or risk averse or whatever. What 
What would be your comment there, given that there is optimism and there is brightness of the future in and around a lot of commodities um, and perhaps people's balance sheets have been strengthened by capital gain? Um, what would be your comment to people in their decision-making at this time, um, linking to some of those trends that you're seeing? Yeah, I think that it's really important that you work with the numbers that are in front of you. Um, you know, what's happened in the past has happened and 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 it shapes your your attitude, I suppose, shapes your view of the world to some degree. I mean, when when um, when uh, my, my wife and I had our peak debt in farming, which was back in the mid-80s, um, our interest rates got to 23.5%. Now, you don't... You don't pay 23.5% interest without it having some effect on your attitude towards your businesses, right? It's a, it, you know, it burns and it, and it, and it basically, it's, you know, that sort of thing is branded onto your, onto your brain for the rest of your life. But, but that, you know, just because we had 23.5% interest rates back then doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to be looking at that scenario going forward. Um, you know, and similarly, when, when in the 90s, when we, when we were shooting sheep, you know, we were being paid to shoot sheep um, and, you know, you, you couldn't sell sheep, for, you know, that you, you're getting paid 50 cents for them. I mean, that's what's happened in the past. And I'm not saying it can't happen again, but you can't let those sorts of events, I guess, cloud your judgment about what, you know, about the next five to 10 years. Um, nobody's crystal ball is better than anybody else's, but you can only work with the numbers that are in front of you. And so if you if you understand your business from a financial perspective, you have a very good handle on, on the KPIs, the financial KPIs, you know, you're running a profitable business that's generating a good return on assets managed, then, then buying land at the current prices still represents a great opportunity. If, you, if you're making, if you're making five or six percent return on assets managed with the current land prices, then, then what that means is that if you can take your current business and you can expand it out onto more land, then you can buy that land at that current land prices and you'll make five or six percent operating return, which is still a great investment, irrespective of whether you're making capital growth or, or capital gain or not. So even if, even if the the land prices you know, um, the appreciation flattens out for the next five or six years, um, then you're still making good return. It's still a good investment. Um, where it becomes more difficult is if your return on assets managed, the profitability of your business is actually low, then, then base, and, you know, in that scenario, you're pretty well relying on your capital gain to make, to make, um, make you know, to generate your wealth. Your operating returns aren't generating much wealth for you. All they're doing in a lot of cases is just servicing the debt. So, um, so, so you're relying on that capital growth to generate your your wealth over time, and you know, and and if your time horizon is only you know five to ten years, and um, and we go into a period of flat land prices for you know five to ten years, which is which is kind of what's happened. If you look back over the land prices, this you know these flat periods for for you know for between five and eight years, and then then rapid rises. Then, um, then you know you might find that land, that piece of land is, isn't isn't a great investment for you. But if your time horizon is longer, you know if you're looking to buy land and hold it, um, um, basically for a long time into the future, then you'll capture the you'll capture those increases in land prices um, over time. Um, the average, I think, for the Australian across the Australian landscape is around about seven percent return on it, seven percent capital growth on average per year um, over the last. Uh, Forty to fifty years, so it's, it's it's a significant wealth generator, but it doesn't all come in a straight line. Makes for a great investment if you've got a long term view, as you say. So, paraphrasing, know your numbers. Step one: optimize the farm that you have. Step two: 
and then go about expansion of that model step three. Um, even at these times, just reflecting back on the alumni group, Greg, um, I just see them being courageous. Um, they're in control because they know their numbers. They've taken time to optimise the farm that they have and now they're actively looking to expand. And, you know, my favourite definition of courage is commitment plus doubt plus action. So there's always going to be the doubt and there's always going to be the fear and there's always going to be the worry and the what ifs. But I guess if you know your numbers, that gives you control. And from that point of control, you can be more courageous um, and take the opportunities that are presenting in the current market. Would that be a fair comment, Greg? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, there's there's no, I mean, there's no such thing as a as as a risk-free um, decision in business. Every time you take a decision in business, it always involves a risk. But you know, it, it, as much as possible, we want to deal with calculated risks. And and so having a great having a great handle on your on your finance on on the numbers of your business and your KPIs allows you to make those those really um, calculated risks. And and so you know, if you have a business that has a, a strong return on assets managed. It has um has high finance cover, um and is in a, in a reasonably good equity position, and I'm talking about you know eighty percent or better equity. Then then there's no reason why that business shouldn't be able to to, to look at expansion, um into more land and and um, and do a very very good job of it. Because what I know from years of working with people that run extremely good farming businesses is that once the once the process is set, once they have everything running optimally on their property. Um, there's no, it's, it's not difficult to actually just expand that that whole business onto a, onto a bigger area. You know, the business is just it's the the ideal time to to expand through land purchase is when your current business is optimised, um, because because then you'll get the best return on that investment into the new into the new land. So it really um, it really is a, a you know a bit of a no brainer if part of your long term vision is to get bigger um, through through the acquisition of more land then. It's a bit of a no-brainer that you know when you op- when you've got your current business optimised and the right piece of land presents itself that then you you know you, you crack into it. Um, but you know it it can be the wrong decision if your current business is actually struggling and um, you know and you're already in a situation where your equity's um, not where it needs to be, where your profit's not what it needs to be, where your debt covers too low. Then adding extra debt to the business can actually be a recipe for disaster. So um, you know, so it, it really it comes back to to really understand what's going on in your business financially, and um, and you know, understanding those 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 key KPIs around um, the finances of the business. So let's touch on those, Greg. Those key KPIs, and I think the benchmarking that we offer is it is outstanding, um, and it just supports that resilience and that that strength of all of our members. Um, the three broad categories I want to touch on those resilience and the measures that help you determine and understand just the resilience of the businesses that we're operating. Then the efficiency metrics, ultimately we're commodity producers. So the key metrics that we need to analyze are our financial performance and our financial efficiency. And then um, liquidity um, and repayment capacity and some of those constructs. Um, I sort of see it that we look through those three core constructs at our clients' businesses. Would you mind just speaking to those and perhaps some of the KPIs that sit under those three broad categories um, that people need to know so that they are in control of their numbers? 
Yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's really key. And, and you know, you can look at any, by looking at about 12 key ratios, you can you can pretty well judge um, any any farm business and, and have a really good understanding of, of where its current what its current reality is. And 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 it's just such a it's just such an eye-opener for people when they first go through a benchmarking process and they start actually generating these KPIs for their own business. That actually starts to open up a whole heap of questions for the majority of farm businesses that actually, and they're great questions too about how they can do a better job with their business and where they need to focus. And so the solvency resilience ratios, I mean, the key one there is equity percentage. It's such an important um, metric in um, in farming business because, because farm, farms rely on, on such a high amount of capital invested into, into the assets that they manage, but particularly farmland, that, 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 that you know, that equity percentage is, is key. And um, it's, the, it's the number one risk mitigation factor of, of farming. Um, you know, when the majority of farm businesses um, get into into trouble either because of poor um, poor seasons or, or poor prices, where they go through years where where profits not where, where it needs to be, then generally the way out of that from the majority of businesses is to borrow against their equity. And um, and so you know if you're not if you're in a situation where equity is is poor, um, then that potentially leaves the business open to not being able to to leverage that equity to borrow against that equity to to keep the business running and. And you know it's um and that's a very very tenuous position for any farm business to get into because um you know if all of a sudden you can't get access to the to the funds to finish this year's program uh, whatever it is then um, obviously the business comes comes to a grinding halt and so you know um, equity is a, is a is an absolutely important one um and um and you know um no doubt there'd be quite a few people in New South Wales after the you know many several years of drought whose equity position took a significant um, belting. Um, but you know, um, equity is is really the, the key one, and and it, it's got to be based. Your equity's got to be based on on the, the current market prices for the things that you actually um, manage. So the land and the livestock and the plant. Um, you know, use market values. The, the equity um, calculations that um, are in your uh, your tax accounts aren't necessarily going to reflect the true situation. Um, you know, I really encourage people. Um, anyone that's listening to um, get a, a, a good independent land valuation at least every three years, particularly when land's going through these significant rises in value, because that's the only way that you can really understand what the, the, the value of your land is and and how and what the value should be on the balance sheet. Um, you know, plant is is really the it's the it's the potential sale value of the plant that you've got um, that you in your portfolio. So you know um, what you could sell it for at a clearing sale, and livestock probably. Um, livestock, you know, come up with a policy for valuing your livestock, but you know, something like the, the average of the last three years um, prices for the, the various classes of livestock you've got access to. But that'll help you to set up the the assets for the the value of assets on the balance sheet, and then um, and then of course you've got your liabilities, which are a straight book value, and from there you can calculate calculate your equity very easily, which is your assets minus your liabilities. So, and and also remember that equity is not just farm equity. You know, you can you can invest off farm and um, and do a great job with, with putting together um, off farm wealth creation investments. Um, and if those investments are reasonably liquid, or you can borrow against them, then then there's equity there that you can tap into as well um, to help support the farm business if things go um, a bit pear shaped from a seasonal or price perspective. So you know when when you're looking at equity, think about not only the farm equity but also the, the whole the equity of the whole of the of um, of the owners. Uh, sorry, the, the 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 owners' equity. What 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 have they got that they can tap into should they need to do that? 
so that's the solvency and resilience one and and you know it's why it's why bankers and you know people that you go to borrow money from are so keen to understand what your current position is because your equity is just is a key is a key component for them um followed by the debt serviceability you know how much profit are you making so that you know can you service the debt that you that you've got and the, the debt you might be wanting to take on um and uh, and what sort of security you've got to bring to the table to secure the, the the debt you're trying to take on so they're the three real key keys for for borrowing money um from a from the efficiency ratios we've got i mean profitability i suppose you know understanding the profitability of the business is is really key you know how well are the uh, assets of the business being utilized uh, used to generate profit and return on assets managed is probably the best one there and can be easily calculated once you've got a once you've got your, your, your cash flow statement and, and you've got a profit and loss that you generate from that and a balance sheet that you generate from that, it's very easy to calculate all of these KPIs and return on assets managed can be calculated easily from those from those um, from those worksheets. Um, but you know, just as a, a rule of thumb, particularly in the current climate with such good commodity prices, you know, four percent return on assets managed as a minimum um, should be a, a target that everybody should be aiming at. Um, and and you know four to six percent would be ideal. Um, if you can't be making, if you can't if you can't make good profit at the, at the moment, then you've got you definitely have got significant issues with your business that needs needs addressing because commodity prices are so good. When you, think, yeah. when you say return in that, Greg, that's profit after a partner's sale or an owner's wage, um, and after all costs of the business. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So so return on assets managers the net profit divided by the total assets being managed. And the net profit is the is the revenue that's generated by the property minus all of the costs, the direct and indirect costs, including an, an imputed owner, owner wage. So, so we work on, irrespective of what you pay yourself, we work on, you should be working on what's an accepted commercial rate of, of remuneration for the labour that the owners of the business put in. So, and, and we're based on um, significant farm surveys that have been conducted over the last few years. We... At Farmers Academy, we work, we work on one hundred and fifteen thousand um, dollars for the for the the operating manager or the owner manager um, for a full time uh, year, so eleven months work, and we work on seventy thousand dollars for each family member that's contributing labour um, for a full time year, eleven months work. So, so one hundred and fifteen thousand for the principal owner and and seventy thousand dollars for each owner's family labour unit, um, and and that you know that really is a a reflection of what's being paid around the country and is a commercial rate of remuneration for owner labour. And, you know, when you think about the average Australian wage at the moment of, of 89000 nearly $90,000, then, you know, there's no reason why farmers and farm owners and farm anyone working in the farming sector shouldn't expect to be paid commensurate with um, with what other people are being paid in other areas of, of around the country. And, you know, if if as a as an industry we're not prepared to look at those sorts of levels of remuneration, then it's no wonder we lose people into the mining industries and so forth. Because you know, why would they stay in agriculture and be paid, you know, uh, not a lot of money for what is in most cases a quite a physically taxing and, and mentally taxing job as well. So, so we need to get out of this mindset that you know that we 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 can pay labour um, for a little in in farming. If you want good people, you have to pay them well. Um, it's just it's just a fact of life, and um, and all of the businesses that we deal with that um, are very successful businesses with with high profitability all have um, quality labour pools, and they pay them really well. Linked to that profitability conversation, 
I really find that I get to understand the client's business at that next level when we get into their cost ratio. So, you know, their wage ratio, their overhead cost ratio, their machinery ownership and their machinery use ratios. Um, would you mind just speaking to some of to some of the key cost ratios that do sort of link to efficiency? Yeah, so financial efficiency um, KPIs really give you a, a great insight into how efficient, efficiently um, that, that the costs are being uh, managed within the business. And I think the key metric here is, um, is the total operating cost ratio. So, you know, that ideally should be less than 70% uh, for a farm business. Um, so that's all of the costs. That's the direct cost, overhead cost, including um, imputed owner wages and depreciation for plant. Um, that, 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 that cost should be less than 70% of the revenue being generated. And we know that if, you know, if you've got 70% or less operating costs for the vast majority of farmers across the, the country, that will result in, in great, a great level of profitability. Um, unless you farm you know, ridiculously high uh, in an area where land prices are ridiculously high, then in most cases that 70% or, or lower total operating cost ratio will, um, will generate somewhere between 4 and 6% return on assets managed. So, so it's a key one to concentrate on. And then underneath that, you know, um, the balance between overhead costs and direct costs tells you a lot about the scale of the business and whether there's enough scale um, under management. And when I talk about scale, I'm not here necessarily talking about the amount of land. I'm talking about the, the amount of revenue that business is generating. So there's a number of different ways of, of generating scale. Uh, one is to is to um, is to upgrade or uh, or intensify the activities on the current land area um, to generate more income, and the other and, and obviously another way is to buy more land and and generate more income that way. So so um, increasing scale. Um, can be is an important or having the adequate scale is an important part of of running a successful farm and and these KPIs help you really identify that through the overhead cost ratio and then labor cost ratio um, labor cost ratio is one of the biggest um, labor costs is, is probably one of the biggest if not the biggest cost in most um, farm businesses across the country and so having a, an efficient labor cost ratio is, is really important and ideally you know labor cost should be less than 15 percent of the revenue being generated in the business um, for for an efficient uh, efficiently run business, and and where it's not, um, it's it's very very difficult to to really generate sustained high profits when um, when labour cost ratios are extremely high. So that's that's an important one, and and then certainly for cropping businesses or machinery intensive businesses, uh, machinery ownership ratio is is really important. So that's the the amount of money invested into. Um, plant and machinery divided by the revenue that that plant and machinery generates. And ideally that should be less than 0.8. And what we've seen is um, over the years um, with the really good uh, cropping businesses um, across the country is that they've been able to really manage that machinery ownership ratio to get it you know, um, under 0.8 sustainably. Um, and it has a massive impact on, on the business and, and its profitability um, uh, um, over the longer term. So far too many cropping businesses in the country have too much money invested into plant machinery um, uh, or more money invested into plant machinery than, than they should have based on the revenue that they're generating. So, so once again, a simple ratio, easy to calculate, but gives you such a great um, insight into what, what the current situation is with the business and, and then gets you asking the right questions around what, what do we need to do to bring this, these sorts of ratios into um into shape, you know, into the sort of levels that we need them to be. And, 
And, and as soon as you start directing your mind into these really critical parts of business thinking, that's when the real, the real big breakthroughs occur. Then there's liquidity, Greg. Yes, repayment capacity, very important. So the ability to be able to service the debts and, and the recurrent land leases that you've, that you've um, taken on. And, you know, it's, um, it's really important that businesses are able to service, um, service those debts and that they're obviously they're serviced out of net profit. Um, you know, your net profit's got a lot of work to do still. Um, it's a profit you make, but after that, you've still got to pay, you've still got to pay um, your interest, interest and debt servicing costs. You've got to pay land, any land leases if you've got them. You've got to pay your tax. You know, you've still got to um, have, have capital to reinvest back into the farm to maintain the farm uh, capital assets. So, you know, there's a lot of work to do with net profit. And, and if, if, your re, if your repayment capacity is low, um, then basically the majority of your profit is being consumed at just servicing your debts and, and your land leases. And there's nothing left to, um, to um, reinvest back into the property to maintain capital assets and so forth. And so what, what I see over the, I've seen over years with, in farms that just don't make enough net profit and or have too high um, debt commitments or, or low finance cover is that the, the shortfall in the net profit to cover uh, debt servicing and land leasing and, and so forth and, and uh, capex requirements for the business, that shortfall comes out of the owner's uh, remuneration. So that the owners pay themselves nothing um, or very little um, because the, the, any money that they, that they get that, um, that hasn't, it's not needed to pay their direct and overhead costs goes back to paying the, the servicing the debt, you know, paying the land leases and, um, and, um, and investing back into the farm capital um, infrastructure to keep it up to scratch. So, so, you know, we end up with this situation where the farmer, farm owner and the farm fam, family members, you know, work long and hard and, and, and tirelessly for very little reward um, which is really a, a, a poor situation to be in. So finance cover, um, you know, uh, it's the number of times that your net profit um, covers uh, the, the debt servicing and land leasing costs of the business, and it should be at least two, and healthy businesses are, are greater than three and preferably four, four times. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and when you're in that situation where you have a business that has a, you know, a solid return on assets managed, has a, has a good equity percentage, has, and has a, has, a, has a good finance cover, then the business is, is ready to launch to the next level um, if, it, if you want to do that. If the owners, if the long-term goals of the owners are to, you know, are to increase the size of the, of the land holding or the land under management, then that's when the business is in a great position to launch out and buy. Um, or um, if, they, if they don't want to do that, then borrow against the equity in the farm and, and, and invest off-farm into, into wealth-creating um, investments off-farm. Greg, it, it amazes me when we come together for our two-day Top Producers event, um, our introductory program, and we ask that question of 100 or 150 or 200 farm businesses, how many of you benchmark? It always amazes me that less than 10% put their hand up. Um, how do you feel when we sort of see that as the reality Um in industry and and what's the risk of not knowing these numbers and not tracking them over time? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a sad indictment on on the industry as a whole. To be honest with you, um, I mean it, it's it's even more shocking than that because as you say, we've had thousands of people in our events now, and and every time I ask them, you know, ask them to put their hands up if they if they produce a a, um, a cash flow forecast, a cash flow budget, and 
and probably 50 to 60% of the room will put their hands up. And then the next question I ask is, you know, do you leave your hand up if you um, if you um, update that cash flow forecast monthly with actuals um, so that you can compare actuals with the forecast? And, and you know, we're probably then down to about 10% of the room or less. Then the next question I ask is, okay, so how many of you then um, that do that then take that cash flow um, but that cash flow statement that you've produced after a year's worth of trading and create a profit and loss and and um, and balance sheet um, so you can really understand the profitability of the business and your net worth position. And and in, invariably, you know, we end up with one or two hands up um, in the room. And um, I think it's a really sad indictment on, on the farming industry as a whole because, you know, I don't think there's too many other... In fact, I, I know that there's, there's virtually no other businesses in Australia where you can be in charge of so much money um, and really be flying blind. Um, and, and by not producing those statements, you are flying blind. Um, you know, I don't know how anybody can make good, solid um, financial decisions and minimise the risk in those decisions without having those numbers to hand and having that visibility on, on their business um, in front of them. And, um, you know, it's just a part of, of running any business. And I mean, I have been involved in a lot of businesses um, in my time and um, owning and, and running them myself and I'm still involved in a number now. And I just couldn't even start to think about running a business without having that information in front of me. I, it's it's basically it would be like um, driving a car with a blindfold on. And, you know, in, if, if you do that in Australia, you're either going to get arrested or you're going to have a big crash at some point in time. And yet we can do that in business and nobody gives us stuff. And it really just amazes me, to be honest with you. So, um, and so a lot of the, a lot of these um, situations that we see where people get themselves into financial trouble in farming, um, it's it's preventable. It's very foreseeable. And and by just having a, a an understanding or a visibility of the of the finances and the financial metrics, those situations can largely be avoided in in, in the majority of cases. So because it happens slowly, car crashes happen very slowly in farming. Um, because capital gain, you know, gets farmers out of a lot of um, a lot of difficult positions. But um, um, you know, most people don't get into financial trouble overnight in farming. It's it's a it's a gradual game, and you can see it coming for years generally. Now, it's a great point, Greg. Thank you. And so, I want to give a program that we're um, running now a plug. Greg has, as you've heard, dedicated most of his extended career in industry, um, refining the financial metrics that help underpin farming families succeed and um, created the Farm Financial Framework Program. And it is Greg's lifetime of work condensed into um, a short course that you can do online um, it is for $1,500 at the moment, which is significantly um, lower price point than we would normally offer it. Um, and we're offering it because we genuinely want to see farming families gain control of their financial literacy, get around these metrics and get the skills and tools um, so that you can understand your current reality and then move forward at this time with confidence. We, um, we run this campaign for Farm Financial Framework only once a year. It rounds out at the end of this week and um, you can still get access to this program outside of this campaign, but not at that investment level. 
Um, it's five really thorough and comprehensive models that give you financial control of your business and it rounds out with a benchmark. Perhaps your first where you get these numbers um, applied to your performance on your farm um, and perhaps gives you that first um, deep and meaningful assessment of your current reality. It's a very thorough program. It is very applied to our industry um, and it's designed to give you what you need so that you can um, succeed in this industry and understand your financials so much more strongly. Um, Greg, what would you say about farm financial framework and um, perhaps the impact that you've had it, had it or seen it achieve for so many people who've been through it? Yeah, well, what I do know, Jeremy, is that all of the people that I've worked with over the years that are, that are that run really high-quality farming businesses, they all know their numbers. They all are very attuned to what's going on um, in their business from a financial perspective, and they know their financial KPIs. Um, it's just it's a key part of the whole process. And, and so, you know, our philosophy at Farm Owners Academy is actually to teach people to be independent of – we're not trying to – we don't want to build dependence on, on the Farmers Academy consult, consultants to, to generate um, these sorts of financial reports for you. The Farm Financial Framework is set up to teach you the fundamentals of, of, of financial control in, in any business. This is um, particularly um, tailored to the farming, um, the farming business, but it can be used, the same principles can be used for any business. Um, it, you know, it teaches you how to um, all of the, the processes to actually, you know, to properly construct and use a a cash flow uh, forecast and, and and generate a cash flow statement. It, it teaches you then how to how to create a profit and loss statement for your farm. That teaches you how to create a a, um, a balance sheet and how and then how to use those those um, those various statements to generate the financial KPIs that we talked about to get that real good visibility of, of your business and and um, and then also um, you know to make great decisions, uh, great decision uh, financial decisions to. Um, to, to take you and your family in the direction that you really want it to go over the, your time as leader of your of your family business and and so it, it you know it's it's just, it, it has that that single focus in mind that it's a it's it's meant to to teach you what to do um, and how to do it and yes we provide a financial report for your business um, at the back end of that training but mostly as a reference against the, the calculations that you're doing yourself I mean all of the metrics that are generated for you in the in the financial report that we send to you. Um, you learn how to generate yourself, and so um, and once you've got that skill, um, then it's easy to take forward every year and, and start the process of of really getting incredible financial control. And what I do know after speaking to a lot of people um, that have been through the course is that they a lot of them say that they just have you know um, they feel so much more in control of their business once they've got. That understanding of the numbers and, and and the finances of the business, they feel so much more in control of what's going on, and and the decisions that they make um, are much more strategic and much more aligned to the current um, um, situation with the business and, and what's going on around them. So, you know, I just think it's um, it's fundamental knowledge that everybody in farming should know. Unfortunately, it's not taught um, anywhere. It's not taught at school. It's not taught at uni. It's not taught anywhere. Um, it, it really is fundamental knowledge. And the other thing I would say is it's, it's, it's easy. It's very simple. Once you understand the principles behind it, it's simple. And, and so we don't give you templates. 
if we gave you templates that would do the work for you, then you wouldn't understand it, right? So, so you know, we teach you how to build those templates for your own uh, situation. Um, because once you can build those templates and you understand what's going on, then you understand the whole process. And, and what, with that understanding comes, comes incredible insight and, and control. Thanks, Greg. So just a couple of comments from me to round this out. It is a cracking program and it is unique in the industry and it is making a real impact. Um, we love that narrative or that comment that a ute or a motorbike or a tractor can be a university on wheels. Um, so if we turn off the radio and put on a meaningful podcast or a course like this, that your time spent in the paddock can be very valuable. Um, more so even than um, what it is that is your farm activity. And so um, this program does launch now and it is coming into a, a busy time of year for us. Um, I want to encourage you to think about it and use your time windrowing, harvesting um, and whatever else as time where you can apply learning around this topic to your farm and to your own ability. It's... Um, it's perhaps really good timing to be making an investment in this course and, and using your time in the ute or on the tractor or in a truck to um, upskill um, over this harvest. Greg, thank you very much for your time. It's always great to connect and it's great to be able to get under the bonnet and share some of the stuff that we work through with our Platinum Mastermind and alumni members with our broader community. So thank you for your openness and for um, taking us through those key metrics and your take on the current industry trends. Thanks, Jeremy. And I'd just like to wish everybody all the best leading into uh, the rest of the year, harvest and, and um, lamb selling time and all the rest of it and, and leading into Christmas. And uh, let's hope that 2022 is a much, is a much different looking year um, to what the last two years have been. Uh, we'd all, you know, it would be fantastic to all be able to start mixing socially again and, and get back to living the lives that we um, enjoyed prior to um, uh, prior to the start of last year, and uh, and I'm sure that's just not very far away. So um, all the best, and uh, and thanks for the for the opportunity, Jeremy. Thanks, Greg. Good to have some time with you, and thanks everyone. As Greg said, um, let's enjoy the optimism in the industry, and over the next few months, hopefully coming together and um, being back face to face with friends and family. Thanks for your time, Greg. Thank you, everybody. Bye for now.